In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be. Thank you. How about this one? Christ is ascended. From earth to heaven. Oh, from earth to heaven, one out over those who said, in glory. What a joy to be with you today. I want to share a little bit about the Feast of the Ascension and a few just pointed reflections and um, encouragements. Jesus did not live with his disciples after his resurrection, after he had before his death. Filled with the glory of his divinity, he appeared at different times and places to his people, assuring them that it was he, truly alive in his risen and glorified body. As we heard in the epistle reading today, to them he presented himself alive after his passion by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. 40 days, I was thinking, surely enough time to have proven that he had truly risen from the dead. And speaking of the kingdom of God. It should be noted that the time span of 40 days is biblically significant and signifies a temporal period of completeness or sufficiency. And we see that throughout the scriptures. And on the 40th day after his Pascha, Jesus ascended into heaven to be glorified on the right hand of God. We hear about this ascension in Acts, in Mark, and Luke. The ascension of Christ is the final physical departure of this world from this, uh, from this world after the resurrection. It's the formal completion of his mission in this world as the messianic savior. It's his glorious return to the Father who had sent him into the world to accomplish the work that he had given him to do. As we heard in today's gospel reading, and lifting up his hands, this is how it happened. While blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. The church's celebration of the Ascension, as all such festal celebrations, isn't merely the remembrance of an event in Christ's life. Indeed, the Ascension itself is not to be understood as though it were simply the supernatural event of a man floating away into the skies. The Holy Scripture stresses Christ's physical departure and his glorification with the Father together with the great joy which his disciples had when they received the promise of the Holy Spirit, who has come to assure the Lord's presence with them, enabling them to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that's why we focus on this, what we could call the theological aspect of it. Not like, oh, he's getting smaller. There he goes. He's this, you know, you can barely see him now. You know what I mean? That's not the point. The point is that he became man. He ascended in the, he, he overcame death by death. He ascended into heaven in the flesh. The flesh that has been reclaimed and restored to its original nature. In the church, the believers in Christ celebrate these very same realities with the conviction that it's for them and for all men that Christ's departure from this world has taken place. So it's for, it's for us and it's for the world. Again, just like we had on Sunday, not just as a proof, though, of a theological reality, but it was for our salvation. 
the Lord leaves in order to be glorified with God the Father and to glorify us with himself. He goes in order to prepare a place for and to take us also into the blessedness of God's presence. I was reflecting on the ascension just a while back, thinking it's interesting that we can, we can perceive of the fact that, that the God-man, Jesus Christ, who is the perfect union of divinity and humanity, ascended into heaven and re- returned to his rightful place. But one of the things that we have to cling to is this, that it wasn't just that Jesus went back but it was that he took on the fullness of humanity in himself. Therefore, it was humanity that was, it was our humanity that was taken to heaven. It wasn't just that the God-man Jesus went to heaven, but in that he united himself with our humanity, he, when he ascended, rendered humanity capable of this glory, of this heavenly glory of our calling, of our identity. He goes to open the way for all flesh into the heavenly sanctuary, the holy place not made by hands. We heard in the Old Testament reading last night, he, like, things like he, he tread the path before us that we're to follow. He goes in order to send the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father to bear witness to him and his gospel in the world, making him powerfully present in the lives of his disciples. The liturgical hymns of the feast of today sing of all these things. The the antiphonal verses of the divine liturgy are taken from the Psalms. The troparion of the feast, which is sung at the small entrance, also use and is also used as the post-communion hymn, speaking of his ascent in glory. Did he have to ascend? Well, he did. So it's not worth worth really reflecting on whether or not he had to. If he did, then surely it was the right thing to do. It's important to reflect on these things, though, that we take for granted every once in a while. And I was thinking this today. Had he remained on earth... It would have been to institute the reign of his eternal kingdom. But as we know, he didn't want for us merely to be followers or minions or subjects of his kingship. That's what the Pharisees thought that they were. I pretend that I would be happy just to be a follower, but we saw how that failed when his previous followers tried to submit to his rulership, but they claimed in turn to be rulers themselves, proxy rulers seeking to control others on his behalf, establishing a really dissatisfying earthly kingdom in the name of God. We have to be very careful not to do things in the name of God that really aren't of God. We know that this is not his way. We know now that he desires no less than for each of us, each of us, to be his place of truth and beauty, to be a living worship, as we talked about the other day, for each one of us to be united to him by his indwelling presence. 
If he didn't ascend, if he didn't go away, then this could not have happened. The place that he went to prepare for us is none other than the inner kingdom. Recall his most blessed words when he said, the kingdom of God is within you. He ascended in order for us to discover within what we had always been looking for outside of ourselves. To allow him to prepare and establish this place for us, a return to nature. What do we do? What do we do now? A few simple thoughts. First of all, we follow the example of the disciples who, as we heard in the reading today, were continually in the temple glorifying God. They were so in love with him. I'm always telling you, the church is not about the church. It's in and of itself. It's not about the ritual and the beauty and the tradition. All of that is important. But it's about completely falling in love with Christ and wanting to be with him. And like those ones who were there after he ascended, they were continually in the temple glorifying God. And when we love him, this is the primary expression of our love for him, our glorification of him. I don't want to demand any more of you than for you to continually desire to glorify God. I don't want to demand anything other than for you to just want to continually desire to glorify God. I hope that's not an unrealistic expectation. I want to do it together. If we don't glorify Him now, how can we expect of ourselves to be able to endure it for eternity? It's the desire of the heart. It's the heart's desire to sing praises to God continually. Number one, that's the first one. How do we do it? Continually glorifying God. They also lived a life of anticipation, never satisfied with a day's worth of prayer. Never satisfied, satisfied with just a day's worth of prayer. I did a lot of praying yesterday. I did a lot of worship yesterday. I'm good for a day. Like as if, you know, you had a big meal or something and that was enough for two days. That's not how it works with prayer and worship. They were always ready for the next and also waiting on him, trusting in him, wondering just what is he going to do next? Who cares what it is as long as it's he who's doing it? The wonderful acts of God are worth waiting for. He acts among us and through us, specifically through his church. If we trust him to, let us even expect him to. He demands of us to, to expect him to, to do wonderful acts in and through the church. And lastly, as I was reflecting today, I found in these 10 days, these 10 days between Ascension and Pentecost, something especially instructive. Of course, we do see the correlation between the springtime Jewish feast of Pentecost and the bestowal of the Holy Spirit, which is wonderful and significant. But this 10 days of waiting and worshiping, I think, are entirely profound and instructive. They did not know when the Lord would act and how. 
They just knew that he would and that he would fulfill his promise to them. So they paused and they trusted and they prayed. And we, being the very same people of God as they were back then, we must also be those who are actively waiting, actively patient. You see that we return to our normal fasting days starting tomorrow. So I urge you, join me in the active patience that comes from sacrificial fasting. Fast and pray tomorrow, next Wednesday, Friday, next Friday. Because you know the week after that's a fast-free week following Pentecost. Truly asking and expecting that the miracle of God's will will be revealed to you. Eat a little. Consider fasting until dinner and even eating a small meal at that. When we fast, sacrificially, in a way that's appropriate to each one, and if you need help discerning that, you can talk to me. But when we do, we allow for the vacuum within ourselves to prove its need for God alone. Okay? You get that? When we fast, we allow for the vacuum within ourselves to prove its need for God alone. At first, it feels like psychological warfare because we're so used to eating all the time. But we got to push through and remember what it's for. Something beautiful will happen, undoubtedly. Put him to the test. Make this experiment with God, trusting in his faithfulness. He will not prepare a place for those who are not willing to prepare within their lives a place for him. Knowing that we have such a task to undertake together, then I ask you, beg you, join me. Join me in continually blessing him and praising him in his wonders. He who ascended in glory, in him we are confident, the Son of God and the Deliverer of the world. Amen.